Welcome to Real Estate Talk with Mary Ellen, Karen, and Cecile, the CSJ team, brought to you by Elfant Wissahickon Realtors. Be sure to like, subscribe, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you find your podcast. Mae Johnson from the CSJ team interviews Adam Funk of Garden State Home Loan. Good morning. This is Mae Johnson from the CSJ team at Elfont Wissahickon. I'm very pleased to have Adam Funk, a loan officer with Garden State Home Loans, here to talk to me today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, my name is Adam Funk from Garden State Home Loans, as <laughs> Mae said. Uh, I've been in the mortgage industry for just under 10 years now. And hopefully we invited Adam here today to address some important information about home loans that people might not realize as they're starting their home buying journey. So I have a few questions for you today. Um, So as far as mortgage pitfalls, what trips up buyers most or catches them off guard when they start the process? A lot of people don't realize kind of the complexity of the process and how deep we dive into a person's personal and financial information, especially between both the title side and the mortgage side. Um, Once you've gone under contract for a house, we're doing all sorts of background searches and things in the background. There's a program called CAVERS, which checks if you owe the federal government any money for anything. So there's just all sorts of checks and searches that are done like that. And people think that, oh, you know, this something from my past is not going to come up. But with the searches that are done, it's always found. Um, The other piece that kind of trips people up is they don't realize how much information we're going to need to collect from them. Um, So there's a lot of paperwork that's involved and a lot of questions that are asked. And it feels a little bit invasive, um, but it's really just making sure that you are qualified for the mortgage and can afford the house. So that way there's less concerns about you defaulting or going into a foreclosure in the future. It's really what it's about. And so do you recommend that people start this process before they start looking at homes? Uh, yeah, it definitely can be. Um, it depends upon yourself. If you're very financially and self-aware and you know where your credit stands and your savings and you're, you know, you know you're, that you're on pretty solid ground, you can jump right into the process. If you're not really sure, um, it's always great to just have a preliminary conversation with a mortgage lender. Um, we can give you the information you need. If there's things that you need to work on, we can give you that advice so you can kind of correct them ahead of time. So that way you're in the strongest position when you go to actually start the shopping process. Right. Who wants to fall in love with a house and then you can't buy it. Yep. Well, another common thing that people hear is that they need 20% down to buy a home, but that's not always true. No, most home buyers do not put 20% down. Most of the time, if you're putting 20% down, it's because you just sold another house and you're using that to fund the new purchase. Um, for first time home buyers, you've got a conventional program that starts at 3% down. Then you've got the standard FHA at three and a half, standard conventional at five. If you're a veteran, you have access to the VA loan, which is no money down. And if you're looking in a rural area, there's another nice program that's also no money down and that's through the USDA. Great. And what do you look for when it comes to bank accounts? Is there anything people should look out for there? Yeah, this is a very common pitfall. People don't realize how much we're looking at the banking piece. And that's really because of the money laundering laws that exist on the federal level. We have to track all of the money that touches your bank accounts leading up to a home purchase. So even if it's technically funds that are unrelated, because it's touching a bank account that you're using to buy a home, it is now related to the home purchase. Um, So making large deposits that are not payroll checks is a really big deal. So people right now it's gotten even more complex because you have the Venmos and things like that. And if you're a person that heavily uses Venmo and is doing a lot of deposits from those kind of third party apps, 
We're going to need all of that information. We're going to ask questions about where the money's coming from. So everything with the banking, especially with deposits, is really looked at with a fine-tooth comb. And it's again, it's about money laundering laws because that was one of the big things that came out of the housing changes in 08 was that they realized there were a lot of people who were laundering money through home purchases. Right. So even those birthday checks from grandma have yep. to be accounted for. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what what do you think most commonly stands in buyers' way when they're buying homes? Uh, definitely credit scores is one of the big hurdles that most people run into. Um, you've got to make sure that your credit's where it needs to be. And it doesn't have to be as high as some people think. Um, an FHA buyer can get in within generally as low as about 600 on a credit score. So you've definitely got some flexibility there. Um, but past credit mistakes aren't easily repaired with credit scores. You know, if you mess something up and your credit scores drop, it's going to take longer than you realize to get your score back up. Um, but so credit's definitely the biggest piece. Um, with credit, late payments is definitely the big thing there. People don't realize that a single late payment sets your credit score back as much as it does. And it's not a hard, fast rule, but generally one late payment on a credit card or your car loan is going to take six to eight on-time payments before that credit score is canceled out. So it's not like an even one-to-one -one ratio. There's a large swing and six to eight months is a long time. So being diligent about making sure you're paying things. If you have a lot of debt and on a, and you've got lower income, all of a sudden you might not have the room for the mortgage uh, because you know if all of your debt is going towards a large car payment and student loans and that kind of stuff, it may not give us the room to work with to allow a mortgage to also fit in that debt because there are debt caps for how high we can go for total debt for a person. So do you have any experience with credit repair? Do you recommend any services that people can use? Yeah, uh, I mean, a good mortgage lender, we're looking at credit every day. So if it's something simple, we can make some soft recommendations, but pretty much every mortgage lender in the industry has got a credit repair service that they've partnered with. It's someone that they know and trust, that they know are regular. Because there's some companies out there that you've heard of that are not great and they're just out there to charge you money to right. not really accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. um, but working with a, a good mortgage lender, they'll be able to connect you with someone, especially if your credit's more complex and needs a larger kind of repair to it. Right. And that's something everybody can start doing now, even if they're not quite ready to yeah, buy a house. Yeah. That lead time is always great. It's always good to get started in advance. And if you're ready to go, great. You're ready to go. If not, you've now put the homework in kind of ahead of time. So that way, when you really need to be in shopping mode, you can be in shopping mode. Right. So uh, lastly, is there anything else that you want buyers to know before they start this process? Um, again, I would kind of say it's around the paperwork. People don't realize how deep we're going to dive. So, and we're in a habit of a lot of people are kind of, you open your mail, you look at it, use it for what you need it and then trash it or shred it. Um, so keeping your important financial paperwork, tax, tax returns from prior years, W-2s from several years ago. People have this tendency as soon as they file their tax returns, they throw out their W-2s. You want to keep those. Pay stubs, especially if you've changed jobs, or have like pay that's kind of all over the place with the job, keep your pay stubs from kind of the end of the year because it shows a full recap of the income that you've earned for the year. Same thing if you've changed up, keep a couple pay stubs at the very end of the job you just left because it's information that the underwriter might need depending upon how you're paid. And so how, when in doubt, just keep paperwork. How far back do you recommend people keep um, their stuff? Two years is probably a good just, again, it's gonna depend upon the type of paperwork, but if you're just trying to go broad term, just go two years. Once you've gone past two years, we're not generally going back any farther than that unless you're in a really kind of unique situation. But two years is a good kind of hold pattern for yourself. And then any special advice for uh, maybe gig workers or servers? Uh, yeah, so it track everything that you can. Um, most restaurants nowadays, 
after the kind of IRS started punishing some of the restaurants are tracking tips and cash tips and that kind of stuff on paychecks for IRS tax purposes. So it's definitely gotten easier. But if you happen to work for a restaurant that's not tracking your tips on your paychecks, in order for us to be able to use it, it's got to be documented somewhere. And there's tax forms that you can use if your employer's not doing it. So it's just really about tracking everything. Um, same thing if you're self-employed and your accountant's writing off a ton of expenses, the lower they make your income look to the IRS, the lower it is for us as the mortgage industry because we follow the IRS rules. So you want to make sure you're showing a higher income when needed leading up to when you're going to go buy a house so that way you've got the income that's needed to qualify. That's a really good point. All right. Thanks, Adam. Uh, it was a pleasure, as always, to speak with you today. I hope this cleared some things up for people who are thinking about buying a home. Um, it can be a scary process, but we're here to help with that and hopefully make it as easy and painless as possible. Um, so yeah, if you, if you're listening today and you'd like to continue, uh, finding out about the home loan purchase process, contact either Adam or myself, and we're happy to help with anything you need. Yeah. Thanks. It was really a pleasure being here. This was fun. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, feel free to give me a follow on Instagram. I'm giving myself a shout out. Uh, my more, or my Instagram handle is at funky mortgage and that's F U N C K Y mortgage, funky mortgage. Don't forget to like review, subscribe and share our podcasts and send your suggestions. We want to hear from you. The CSJ team with Mary Ellen, Karen, Cecile, the stellar choice.